You are listening to episode 15 of the So Driven podcast and I really today want to deep down thank my friend Catherine Hill who is this week's guest on the podcast. Kat is a rising star in the very male dominated world of cyber tech. Earlier this year she was nominated for Woman in Tech. Kat is a really, really good friend of mine. So back in June this year, she took the time out of her busy day to help me prepare for my first ever podcast. This was at a time where I couldn't get a professional mic. So for all you audio connoisseurs out there, beware, this audio from my side is not great. It was a time where I was trying and testing out different questions. So I asked her literally all the questions. <laughs> and although my conversation on my end is the start of work in progress for this podcast, Kat is such a professional with great value that has been gained from years of hard work, determination and experience. I've left this podcast pretty raw and haven't edited much of it. So it's a great podcast for a number of reasons. One is you're gonna hear great information and great value and great stories from Kat, but you're also gonna see for any budding podcasters out there, the sort of raw test and trial version of a very first podcast. So I've left it as it is. So enjoy. You are listening to the So Driven Podcast with me, your host, Serena Dodd. Each week, we will dive deep into the inner workings of leaders. We will talk about their story, their challenges, their triumphs, and ultimately what drives that quest for success. Wanting to listen to a corporate type of approach to leadership? I'm afraid you're in the wrong place. Here, we like to be raw, a bit silly, progressive, and 100% unconventional. Okay, I just want to welcome Kat Hill to the podcast. Kat works for a company called uh, SCC. She's in cybersecurity. So, hi, Kat. Hello, thank you for having me. I think everyone just should know that we are friends and you are someone in an industry which often, I suppose, is perceived as being male dominant, but you have managed to sort of rise above the ranks and you're in this great leadership role. So just let's start off first of all and talk about where you are now, like with what's happening in the world and you working in the environment that you're in and working from home and how's that all working out for you? So it's been quite a drastic change based on pre-COVID working. So our whole organisation has been moved to a remote working from home policy, which in itself has brought a few challenges you know, how do we make sure that we're, from a security perspective, securing all the, the information and, and actually empowering our people to have the right tools available to effectively still speak to our clients, still speak to each other, and still sort of have that social aspect, which I think is really important for people that are, are going through this at the moment. So it's been quite an interesting time for, for the cybersecurity business in particular. Um, it's brought a lot of opportunity for us. We are constantly talking to existing customers, but also brand new customers that previously had never engaged with SCC. And I think that's a result of um, you know, security being at the forefront of people's minds at the moment with home working, with the recent media responses to the likes of the EasyJet breach, etc. So it's, it's paramount at the moment for organizations to focus on security and really just understand how best they can secure their organization while empowering their people to continue doing their day-to-day -day job. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been an interesting change. 
And how has that been for you, sort of from a business point of view and working with your team? And really, that's a transition from being in the office and seeing people every single day to what you're doing now. Just explain a little bit more about that. So from a personal perspective, I'm very much a people person. So I enjoy and I thrive on having that social interaction with people. So it's definitely a a concept I wanted to continue for my team and for my clients moving into sort of home working. It has been it has been quite difficult. You know, there's times when conversations, secure conversations, potentially would better had in person in a secure room. Um, but actually, I tried to you know keep it fun for the team. Make sure we have you know once a week drinks and we can have a laugh and we you know everyone's available for each other. But from a customer perspective, what's intrigued me the most is actually the relaxed nature of the conversations we're now having. Taking away the boardroom, taking away the official you know, I'm a salesperson, let's come in and have a chat and the customer's going to think I'm automatically trying to sell them something. Actually, now you're having video calls with customers in their home environment. So it's taking away that kind of barrier of business customer and bringing it together as just two people having a conversation. And I found it's really excelled um, how we are doing business, especially from my organization within Cyber. Um, because it's just allowing that more personable aspect to come together, which is really quite interesting. And it's it's helping us move forward. And I think from, from that perspective, it's definitely going to help us moving forward. I spend an awful lot of time on the road traveling across the UK to different customer meetings and vendor meetings. But now I know that I can be more productive through doing a mix of that, but also having a lot of the meetings that I would have through video conferencing tools such as Zoom. Um, so I think I'm going to get, I've reevaluated my time and reevaluated what I need to focus on to ensure that I'm doing the best for my customers in the business rather than necessarily always having to worry about being in, you know, four different places at the same time. So it definitely allows me to, to enjoy having more time to focus on what I need to do and support my customers rather than other sort of day-to-day activities. Are you finding that uh, you're, you're being able to, you know, speak to more people, but uh, are you finding that you're having that sort of same connection, that same bond that you have when you see them in person? Is it similar or is there quite a big difference? I think it depends on who you're talking to. So if it's an existing customer that I've already got a relationship with, I would say that our relationships have actually strengthened as a result of of going through this and sort of being able to see each other in home environments, have a laugh, you know, some of the customers I speak to, they'll be doing conference call with me and their child will come in and sit on their lap. And it just brings that more sort of familiarity to the conversation. People that I haven't necessarily spoken to before, there is definitely a block up with regards to what they want to talk about and what they're happy to talk about based on the fact that they've only just met me and I'm, I'm sat on the other end of a computer screen rather than being in person. So Security in itself is, is, a, is a delicate topic to talk about. So it has brought challenges that way, um, especially for customers that we haven't spoken to before. Well, I mean, we're going to go on to leadership in a bit, but just for all the listeners out there, just describe really what your role is and how your team is structured. So I am the cybersecurity lead at SCC. So SCC is a very large privately owned organisation um, owned by the Rigby Group that own other organisations such as four of the UK's airports, um, a financial services organisation, property development, etc. cetera. Uh, the SCC was the first business that they created. It's still a privately owned family run organisation spanning the UK, Spain, France, 
um, and Vietnam. I look after the cybersecurity business in the UK. My role really is to ensure that we remain relevant in the market and that we are constantly adapting our services um, to ensure that we can best support our customers through the evolving threat landscape. So I spend a lot of time direct selling to some of our larger organizations, but I also spend a lot of my time focusing on our go-to-market strategy, evaluating what our competitors are doing, what our peers are doing, evaluating what uh, tools are still relevant, how they are evolving in the marketplace. So I've got a really varied role, which is really key for me because it keeps it, keeps it interesting. You know, no two days are the same. I really love the, the personal interaction of the selling side. Um, and from a management perspective, I've got a team of four sellers at the moment. Uh, all four have recently gone through the SDC graduate training program. It was our view that uh, cybersecurity is such a, a new and innovative marketplace, and especially where you mentioned earlier around it being very male orientated. I wanted to ensure that we could empower the new generation of people, especially when the cyber attacks are coming through social media platforms, you know, Facebook, Twitter, to have that millennial understanding of how each of those platforms work and how we can promote our organization who've not necessarily been known for cybersecurity before because of the array of other services that SDC provides. It was key for me to, to really empower those people to bring a different dynamic and a different view to how we were going to take our, ourselves to market. We are also, you know, actively hiring. It's growing a lot. Um, we've been really successful recently and also pre-COVID in just adapting that strategy to enable us to be more competitive in the market. Um, so it, it's quite an exciting time for us and we are growing, growing quite a lot at the moment. So it's just for me about how I can learn from previous experiences. And, you know, I'm learning every day on this job. You know, I've not, this is my first sort of management role, uh, but very much enjoying the journey. And I've got some fantastic mentors, both within SDC and outside of SDC, that are constantly challenging me and testing me. And um, it's, it's an exciting place to be. Well, I know that we've spoken a lot especially during this time and I know that you are extremely driven and I know that you absolutely adore what you do it's really inspiring because I also know so many people who dread that Monday morning and dread getting up and doing their job and see this time as a little bit of a way out your mindset is completely the opposite to that so I know you have that drive in you and what does so driven what does being so driven mean to you for me, it's it's always been. I come from a family where uh, I have a I had a, a very driven and very successful father. Um, so I wanted to ensure that I was able to sort of replicate that success. I've seen you know what he's gone through, and I've also ever since starting out my career from from university, you know, having this admiration for for people who are able to adapt their working lifestyle, make sure they've got a good home work balance, but also constantly striving for more and I think that's something that's a pressure that I put on myself it's not always a good pressure because I find myself not necessarily having the right homework balance but it's something that I really enjoy and I think for me it's key to continue that drive and there is a part of me that does see this market to be very male dominated and I want to ensure that you know I'm I'm constantly doing what I can to try and change that perception and there's a lot of fantastic women that I work with across you know across the IT industry and I think it, it's really exciting to start seeing women getting getting recognized for that um, but also at the same time it's just waking up every morning and loving what you're doing just gives you that extra sort of fire 
to continue doing what you want to do. And for me, like you said, every Monday morning I get up and I'm excited. And I think that's to do with having different activities every day, working with a fantastic team of people, with customers, and just really being able to support people and, and constantly challenge myself to learn new things. So being driven is key, I think, in this market, especially in, unless you have that fire, be it you not necessarily wanting to climb the ranks and go into management, but even if you're in sales, there's that constant sort of gratification of you need to get the next deal, you've got a target to work towards. So that's very much the background I've come from, and I've, I've used that to really progress through, you know, pushing me up, up the ranks into, into management and hopefully much further as the years go on. Do you think you can cultivate drive? Interesting question. I think, I think you can to an extent. I think it depends on the appetite of the individual. If they can see success and if they're rewarded on their successes and they get that feeling of achievement and, um, you know, success, regularly then i do think that you can empower people through that positive approach to become more driven some people however you know they they work they want to focus on family so that drive that drive is not necessarily there but i think by having the right mindset by having the right tools by having the right you know people around you to really make you think about things in a different way and obviously through conversations we've had about you know your approach to things and personally supporting my brother through through certain aspects where he was sort of having a bit of a career change really has, has sort of opened my eyes to you know how people can influence you to have that drive so I do think it it can to an extent yeah do you feel like you've always had that drive I mean what did you want to be when you were growing up so I've got a split personality and the fact that I am in business, but I'm also a scuba diving instructor. So when I finished university, I went, well, actually through university, every summer I was first flight out of there after my, my exams, going to Greece, Egypt, Croatia, Turkey, different places to teach diving. And I did have the same drive, but it was a very different type of drive. My drive there was getting people to just love the experience that I was loving. I've always been a passionate person. If I find something I enjoy, I'll put my absolute all into it. And diving was one of those things where you put people underwater and you see their eyes open to this whole new world that was just so exciting for me that the drive was to just try and ensure as many people as possible could experience that, but as safely as possible. So I still have a part of me that would quite like to be living on a beach and, and doing that very different type of career. But at the, mo at the moment, I can enjoy both sides, which are very different, but equally rewarding. Yeah, I suppose when you're doing one, you appreciate the other quite a lot. Absolutely. What made you go into cybersecurity? You talk about going scuba diving and all of that. You know, that's a very sort of, I know you said you've got that sort of split personality. But that's yeah. a free-spirited type thing to do to go traveling and and then sort of to head into something that's seen as quite corporate and I suppose from an outsider's point of view quite rigid it's got a lot of structure did you fall into it how did that happen it, it was a complete chance of falling into it if I'm honest so I knew that after I'd done you know working as a diving instructor for a few years I sort of sat there and went look I went to university I, I enjoy academics I wanted to sort of push myself and really understand what career I could have. So I fell into a small IT organization where I started out doing marketing and telesales and just to be honest, general dog's body. Um, but it was a fantastic small organization, very family orientated, and they really gave me um, opportunity to try different things, to find out where 
in a business setting, I would, you know, my skills and my interest would best sit. And that didn't really incorporate anything to do with cybersecurity. And then a couple of years on, when I was still doing the marketing, we got acquired. And I was very quickly pushed into running the marketing across the new European business. So I was traveling a lot to, to different countries and having to meet people from different cultures. And I had lived in Switzerland when I was younger for a couple of years and went to international school. So that gave me a good grounding of how to sort of respect different people and, and understand how different types of business would work. Um, and that's really when the cybersecurity thing started. So it was other areas of IT that, to be honest, I was, I was talking about, I was selling. I didn't necessarily have a passion for it because it was areas of IT that were core to organizations, which obviously security is, but they don't really evolve as much as security does. And then there was a conference where I sat in a number of security sessions and, and just sat there and went, wow, this is, this is fascinating to me. I'm not very technical, but I could understand it and appreciate it from the fact that it would always change. It would always evolve. And I guess realize that there would always be opportunity to have a, a role within cyber, be it marketing or sales, what have you. And then that's really the time when I turned around and said, do you know what, I, I want to be in sales. I'd, I'd had enough of the marketing, I'd had enough of the business development, walked into my uh, CEO's office and basically said, I want a sales job, otherwise I'm leaving. Um, because I'd known that through the, the conversations and, and the results I'd had from working with customers and supporting them in events and marketing, that was where my passion was going to be. And through my personality traits, you know, really being able to, to have a good connection with those customers and not necessarily be seen as a hardcore seller, you know, really understanding what their families are doing, what impacts them, what their drive is with regards to their career and how I could support that. And cyber just provided that conversation that was just always so interesting and could go in any different which way possible that, that led me to decide, you know what, out of all areas of IT, cyber is, is where I want to focus. And then from there on in, that was it. I was constantly driving myself to do independent market research, look at tools and vendors that we didn't necessarily resell, but it was key for me to be successful in the sales role to understand what the competition were doing. Um, and that just drove me really to, to appreciate the expanse of the industry that I could hopefully get involved in. And Ten years later, here I am. It definitely was and still is a really interesting time for, for a sector yeah. such like cybersecurity. But tell me a little bit about that time that you you just mentioned it. You walked in to the CEO's office and you said, I want a sales job or I'm out. Because I think there's a lot of people who would love to do that. There's a lot of people who moan because they, they get frustrated because they can't do that. So what kind of spurred you to do it and what was the result of it? I mean, obviously the result is you've yeah. got a great job. But. So, <laughs> it was, it was, I guess for me, it was made easier in the fact that it was a small organization. So it was by the time that I, I, I made that move, We'd just been acquired. We were probably sort of, you know, only 800, 900 people globally. But we, I'd started as employee number 22 in this small UK business. So, it, like I said, it was a very family-run organization. I knew the CEO personally. You know, we'd spend time, all of us together, you know, going away for weekends and just enjoying each other's company outside of work as well. And I learned so much from the salespeople there and being a small organization, everyone had to be driven because it was fight or flight, right? You don't succeed, that business is going to fail. And actually having the relationship with the CEO at that level, you know that it's his business. So there's this actual innate want to do well for them as well. And at the fact that he gave me my chance, right? He gave me my first job out of university. But 
I guess the frustration for me and why I marched in and asked for the sales role was I was constantly doing a lot of the business development work, getting the sales opportunities for the sales guys. They would still invite me into conversations to try and close down that deal just because of the relationship I'd built with the customers. And, but then I wasn't earning the commission at the end. So there was a financial aspect to this as well, where I turned around and went, well, actually, if I'm doing the legwork <laughs> and I'm doing the initial, the initial sort of engagement with the customer, why shouldn't I take it all the way through? And I, through working with the sales guys, I, I quickly realized that I, marketing was interesting, but it was sales that I wanted to do. And I wanted the financial aspect, right? Yeah. I wanted that dream of a corporate life until sort of 45, 50, then I can go open a dive center and just sort of you know, enjoy that that aspect of my life as well. It's a very interesting thing that you talk about because money in so many respects is seen as this sort of dirty word, can't talk mm-hmm. about it. And there are very few people that can have a conversation quite openly about money and being able to get paid what they deserve. How do you find that? How do you find that talking to people that you work for? If you're negotiating your commission, for example, or a salary raise, are you still of that nervous? Do you ever, have you ever had that nervous disposition? I imagine so many people do. Or do you just go, no, I deserve this. I'm going to be asking for it. I have had that nervousness before. Um, I think before you can confidently go into that conversation, you have to really know your self-worth and not just know it yourself, but have it validated by others. So when you start to see, you know, acceptance and you see the, the level of deals you're bringing in from a sales perspective, but you also see, you know, the conversations you're having with with the suppliers and they're sort of constantly saying, oh, Kat, can you come and get involved in this deal, please? Or, you know, we're doing this, we're doing that. By having that sort of agreement from the wider community that you are actually worthy of that position and that actually you are bringing a lot to the organization. Because let's not forget, if cybersecurity is an expensive market, right? There's a massive lack of skills in the market, both from a sales and a, and a, and a technical perspective. So the resource pool is not necessarily available for organizations. So if you are doing well, why not go in there and say, I think I deserve this? And I think, you know, it's, it's always been a key part for me. You know, I know the market worth of people in this sort of role. I'm not scared to sort of talk about the fact that there's, you know, fantastic financial gains within this industry and within this particular role. Um, because, you know, I've got, I've got goals that I want to live in, you know, live towards within my life. So I think it's key just to make sure that you're having that conversation openly, judge who you're obviously speaking to. Um, to make sure you position it in the right way. But, I, th- you know, organizations at the end of the day, if they keep you, then they've got a safe pair of hands. It's a loyalty as well. If you've got, if they're having to suddenly go out and find somebody new, think about the, the cost of recruitment fees, et cetera. So actually sometimes using that to your advantage and having that conversation, I think is definitely worthwhile having. And it's definitely one that I've, I've not shied away from. Um, because I think at the moment it's it's prevalent and I think you should you should get paid and there is this whole stigmatism women get paid less than guys in the market especially in IT and you know I'm not sat here as a diehard feminist as you well know but I think it's key to ensure that you know you you do stand up and have that conversation because unfortunately I have seen it in this industry where two people are doing exactly the same job and one person is potentially earning a lot less than the other person but also it flips flips the other way as well. I think, again, I know that you're generalizing and I, you know, I've seen it in my career where it is 
more likely that females sort of shy away from understanding their worth. And so therefore, when it's time to have those conversations, it's kind of filled with so much anxiety and animosity. There's a lot that goes on to the point where, especially, I suppose, people who are climbing that career ladder, you know, trying to see their worth in the organisation. And I imagine, especially in this type of environment, where a lot of people are just very grateful to have a job. It's an interesting way, but I think the tides are turning and I think people are becoming a little bit more open to it but it's still seen the money conversation is still seen as that sort of dirty subject that it, it is but address. yeah I think for salespeople though it's definitely more of a, a a normal conversation to have because you're you're getting out what you put in but I think as well where I've potentially been able to to climb the ladder and succeed where I am at the moment is not always taking money to be the the main aspect for me if it's the right organization with the right support and the right mentorship to elevate me within the organization and progress my skills then I would you know probably be happy to not worry so much about the finance and just take it for all of the experience that I can get because for me that's invaluable I don't want to work for an organization that's going to pay me a hell of a lot of money actually give me nothing and not support me to increase you know and climb the, the career ladder because personally my goal is I want to I want to succeed and I want to get further up the career ladder so yeah. sometimes you've just got to take that step back and realize actually what what value is and it's not just always monetary value no exactly a lot of it comes with your purpose and your worth Absolutely. within yeah. yourself and the business but let's just turn the subject around a little in terms of your career when have you really felt like you've been most challenged and how did you deal with it? So I, <laughs> I worked for an organization a few years back, um, which will remain anonymous. Uh, and it was an organization that uh, was struggling somewhat in the market just because this particular product area wasn't necessarily, uh, it was quite new and quite innovative. And it was a difficult organization to work for where the CEO was definitely a dictator uh, on how the business should be run. Um, there was a lot of ideas that, that we all had that we thought would benefit the organization uh, in terms of market awareness and sort of sales strategy, but it was so process driven that it didn't allow for any creativity or adaptability in, in how we were going to achieve the numbers we needed to. So, Actually, I decided to take the stance of ask for forgiveness, not, what's the saying, ask for forgiveness. Yeah, uh, not gain, gain approval. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so I went through that and basically ended up, um, you know, adapting the way that we were doing things. And then it was a much easier conversation to apologize for going against process, but to actually getting the clients in. So that was a really difficult time for me um, in terms of it was... An, People in the organization weren't necessarily working towards the same goal. There was a lot of power struggles. There was a lot of you know, people interested in themselves. And I very much thrive from a team environment. In sales, you're never going to win alone. You have to win as a team. And that's definitely the, probably the biggest lesson that I learned from that organization, which I've been able to use in my career forward, which has helped me progress and you know get the success out of my people and the wider team things like not necessarily appreciating the technical team that aren't earning the commission on the 
the back end of the sale, but they're actually the ones that are away from their homes, from their families for weeks on end, deploying what you've sold. And actually just giving them that recognition, you know, take, giving them a voucher to go, you know, take their wife out for dinner or, or something like that. It's, it's very much a team effort. And probably before that, I was one of those people that was just about, I'm in sales, I need to make sure I'm doing what's right for me. But when I saw the distraction that that brought and the misery that that brought to people, I made sure that I adapted and changed. And actually it's, it served me really well. So difficult time, but definitely a, a valuable life lesson that I've learned. Would you say that was the pivotal change of going from hustling right at the beginning of your career to becoming a leader? Was it that or was there another particular instance that you could remember? That, that was definitely part of it. Um, and I decided that I wanted to support other people to have that view as well. You know, work as a team, not always be out for number one. Um, but there was another instance where... Uh, the, the previous company that I worked for before SCC, again, quite a lot of power struggles, um, some junior people that had come in, and I saw the fact that they weren't necessarily getting the support they had. And I had been that junior person before. And especially in cyber, where the market changes so rapidly, there's so much support that people need, unless you've got that self-drive to proactively go and learn about it all. But there's also, again, on the flip side, so much information to learn. So how do you bring those people together and ensure that they're looking at the right thing to progress their career? And how are you ensuring that they sort of feel happy? It's, you know, sales is not a glamorous job. It's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of upset, you know, and there's a lot of risk in it. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that I could sort of install all of the challenges that I'd had and, and the difficulties I'd gone through and sort of support people to, to see whether they wanted, wanted that career. And for me, as well, having worked for organizations that weren't necessarily, in my view, going in the right direction and, and approaching the market needs as well as they could, that really inspired me to think, actually, I want to be able to, to put my stamp on something and say, okay, this is how I've seen the market at the start, this is how it's evolving, and this is how I think it's gonna go. And being part of that was key for me, and that's really when I had the realization that I wanted to get involved, not just from a sales perspective, but from a, a leadership perspective, look at strategy, look at how we're adapting to the market and really how to push ourselves forward. Because for me, I've now got the sort of, I guess, unique uh, capability to sort of shape a mini business without having that risk of shaping a mini business by myself. You know, I've, I've, right. I'm part of a wider organization where there's, you know, knowledge from lots of other people. So it's, it's, it's exciting and it's um, leadership for me. It's, it's just been so fulfilling and so rewarding recently um, that I, I just absolutely love it. And you talk about that within sales, there's a lot of upset and there's a lot of risk with what you do. Have you got a story for us about a particular time that you can remember that has really sort of stayed in your mind and almost created a lesson for you in life? Oh, too many to reel off. Uh, one I can think of is um, a particular organization had put out a tender response. So they'd in effect put out a document. They asked four suppliers to respond to it. Um, it was a multi-million pound contract. It would have been the biggest contract of my career. This is probably about six years ago now. Would have been the co biggest contract of my career so far. I was sort of, you know, I'd sold it before I thought about it. I was thinking about the commission. Could I buy a house with that commission? You know, all the, all the stuff you you shouldn't think about before you actually close the deal. I've learned that lesson. But that took nine months of my life 
and I was, you know, working with lots of people. We were responding. We responded to the document. There was multiple meetings. There was competitive analysis. And just the amount of effort that went through, and I'd built a really good relationship um, with the senior stakeholder in this organization. And I let myself believe that we had a really good chance of winning. And then the decision came out and we didn't win it. And that was nine months of my life that I had dedicated to this, not necessarily focused on any other opportunity because I thought, well, I'm going to smash my number and I'll smash my next year's number. And when it didn't come in, I then was way behind target. I had pretty much promised to the board that we were going to get this deal in. And for me, that just taught me never, ever in sales, think that you're going to get something until you actually get the signature on the dotted line. Because no matter the relationship you have, it's not always that one person that has the final decision. And in sales, it's very much a case you have to go and ensure that you're talking to as many people as possible and really understanding that decision-maker process and decision-maker you know, organizational chart in effect to allow you to successfully close that deal. So what I learned from that was, yeah, never think that you've got it in the bag. Uh, always ensure that you are constantly um, checking out to see what the competition are doing. Don't just rely on one relationship, but also don't just focus on one project. Ensure that you've got multiple different things that you're working on at once, be it another opportunity or whatever, because you need to ensure that if that one big one doesn't come in, then you've got other, others to, to look after. Yeah, it's sad that as you grow in your career, unfortunately, these big mistakes come along and they are learning lessons. But at the time, it just feels like your, your life is sort of imploding. Imploding. And it was the other lesson I learned was just to hold your hand up and say, do you know what? I messed up. Yeah. And I will always say to my team now, you are going to make mistakes. There's going to be times where you've misquoted something you haven't followed up when you said you would. You know, for me, relationship is, with, is key with all our clients. And it's, for me, we have to do a partnership-led approach. And they are going to mess up. And they have messed up. But they've built that trust in me that as long as they can let me know they've messed up, there's always going to be a workaround. What I don't want is people to, to sort of bury it. Because that's when things start to get worse and worse. And that's when I get people from above me sort of saying what's what's going on so just be honest to your to yourself and be honest to sort of your your leadership team and it's something that's working really well with with the guys that I'm leading at the moment and how would you describe your leadership style I would say that it's it's very personable I want to make sure that they've got you know continuous communication channels into me they can talk to me I will always make sure that I speak to each of my team once a day not necessarily about work, but about sort of family, what especially at the moment, you know, how they're feeling and to ensure that they have that trust in me. But also I want to make sure that um, they are doing what is necessary to support their career. At the start, I set out a, a list of very clear expectations of what I, I wanted from them. And I said, if they meet those expectations, then I can help support them on their career path. And, you know, hopefully they, they will succeed. So my leadership style is, is give them the trust from the off, give them the ability to be a bit creative, think about things differently, um, but use, you know, knowledge, not just from me, you know, use knowledge from wider than the organization, doesn't have to be in sales, doesn't have to be in cyber. Every seller will sell differently. The more knowledge they can gain from other people. So it's just about that empowerment to go out and, and speak to as many people as possible and find their own style, find what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, just very much about empowerment, really. 
defining your own style is key some places work very differently to others and some environments work very differently to others mm. and being able to understand your own style means that you can become a lot more adaptable in how you approach things with your yep. team with your senior staff so what do you think it takes to be a great leader I think communication is key. Mm-hmm. I think a, a level of understanding as well. You know, you will never understand what's going on in somebody's home life, work life, unless you have those communication channels. And it could be that that's going to affect their work life. I think being able to set out, you know, clear process so that people know what they're working towards, you know, by letting them just go and have free reign, how do they ever know that they're succeeding or not? And I think for me as well, very much about, um, being able to praise people when praise is due and being able to support them when they have made mistakes. I think the acknowledgement goes a long way for people. It's the acknowledgement and allowing people to feel accountable to you and realising what they have achieved. I think for me as well, you know, taking criticism. Mm -hmm. Constantly, I will constantly go and ask my peers, my mentors, you know, my senior leadership team, what could I be doing better? How could I be supporting these people more? How do you think that we could be more competitive in the market? You have to be able to take that criticism with a pinch of salt and really listen to that advice to be able to adapt your style as well. You know, going into leadership with just your own personal view is is never going to work. Like I said before, you know, teamwork is is key in this. Um, And even from, from the team that worked for me, you know, I'm constantly saying to them, what can I do to help? What would you have done differently in this scenario? Because it gets them thinking, but also allows me to adapt my style to make it relevant for them. Because one leadership style may not actually support everybody you've got on your team. Precisely. I think it's being sensitive and knowing what's going on. It doesn't mean that you have to be sensitive and sort of pussyfoot around people, but definitely that sort of acknowledgement that there's someone on the team that actually doesn't respond to this way that you might want to be leading and and being adaptable to that person for sure. Have you got a leader in mind that inspires you? So I do. Um, So Craig Smith, who actually was my uh, CEO, so he was the CEO that I went into the office and said, give me a sales job or I'm leaving. You know, I haven't worked for Craig now for probably about eight years and yet constantly meeting him. He's gone on and he sold the organization and he's now um, running a very significant business unit for a larger organization that we still work with. He's not in in the cyber area, but it doesn't matter. You know, his leadership style, I always admired. It was the first that I knew. I'd seen how his career adapted. And I've obviously worked for leaders that I didn't respect. And I think respect is key as well. Um, So I constantly meet with him still. And he's giving me advice. And he's he's not scared to say, you know, I think that's idiotic of you. Or I think that's, you know, that's not the way that things should be done. But also he does it in a way that makes me really think, Um, So he'll never give me the answer. He'll always make sure I have to go out and find it myself, give it back to him, and then he'll sort of critique it and say what he believes or not. So for me, his his personality and his you know approach to business is just an inspiration. And you know he will keep keep going, um, and just you know his openness to support other people is really inspiring to me. When you find someone like that, you don't forget them, and I think you learn a lot from it, don't you? That you take with you. You do. And if, if, if you find someone that's open to talk about where they've made mistakes, what challenges they've faced, you know, you can learn from those. And then when you have ones that are sort of similar, rather than not knowing what to do straight away, you can sort of lean back to that 
that library of thoughts and say actually okay this is this is an area I think I've, I can take control of now and, and sort out pretty quickly and make sure that business impact is minimized. <laughs> you mentioned there were some leaders out there that you didn't have any respect for. Tell us about a time that you've experienced bad leadership and what that looked like. So bad leadership for me is, uh, I guess, back to sort of the dictatorship, not taking, uh, not listening to your staff, not empowering your staff, um, thinking it's your way or the highway, um, which is just not the case in sales, right? Or, or I think any area of business, but also not allowing people to have that work-life balance. So this was an organization that very much expected people to be in at eight o'clock in the morning, not leave till potentially you know seven eight in the evening and not really taking appreciation into to people need time away from the office they need to you know ensure they're seeing their family ensure they're seeing their friends because at the end of the day that's only going to make them work harder and by empowering them and by giving them you know praise when praise is due they're just going to want to work harder instead you had an organization of staff who just hated being in the office every single day of the week and it's just not an area that was comfortable. Nobody was enjoying it. Everyone wanted to get out of there. Everyone wanted to go home. And as a result, you know, the business wasn't, wasn't thriving. So I learned a lot from that experience. As difficult as it was, I did, I did learn a lot. Yeah, it's funny. We just need a few more Craig Smiths in this world to kind of... We do. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, bless him. Kat, we're almost done. Okay. It's gone quick, hasn't it? We've got a little bit of a quick fire round for you. Okay. But before we go into that, what would you say is your proudest moment in your career or life or whatever? I think from a career perspective, it was getting the recognition that I had what it took to go into leadership and getting the recognition from a number of people that inspired me and I respected to say, do you know what, Kat, I think you've got a good career ahead of you. You know, I am somebody that, that loves my job that's driven, but I also have a lot of, you know, self-doubt, which drives me forward, which is great. Um, but really for me, that, that gave me the nudge and said, you know, I think I, I can actually do this. And that's just driven me a lot uh, over the years. So that's, that's probably a highlight um, for me. I think there's a lot of people out there that sort of see very confident leaders like yourself. They know how everything runs. They know in which direction they're going. And they feel that those elements, that anxiety, that self-doubt, all those sort of what we would consider sort of ne negative thoughts mm. that kind of run through our system. Or well, they don't have that. But you just deal with it in a different way, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, I have self-doubt every day of the week, right? If I didn't, I don't see how you can be successful. Because all if you think you're going to do it right all the way, it, it's just not the case. So you know, being able, like you said, being able to understand what that means, how you can process that and what you can do to, to alleviate those anxieties is key. Um, and it's definitely a, a driving force, but to be able to recognize it, I think is, is really important. And every, every good leader should, should have self-doubt because it's, that's what's going to drive them forward. Thank you, Kat. Thank you. A great way to end. I'm going to do a quick fire round of okay. questions. Some of them will be out there. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you'll handle it just fine. Let's go. Describe yourself in three words. Describe myself in three words. Okay. Ambitious, uh, loyal, fun. <laughs> what is your weirdest quirk? My, oh God, my weirdest quirk. The fact that I love squeezing spots. <laughs> 
talk about yet. Well, you can't publish it now. I've said that. We'll have to research. Okay, I'll take that. Minute. You know, you know that's totally staying in. If you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? It would be David Attenborough. So being a scuba diving instructor and just having a passion for everything marine life and just wildlife in general, I just think he is the epitome of just inspiration and what he's achieved through his career. You know, another great leader, not necessarily having a direct team under him, but inspiring and empowering the teams around him and and doing what he's done for well the world and the understanding of you know our environment and our planet and our oceans is just fascinating to me so absolutely David Attenborough. I like that one. First thing you notice about someone? First thing I notice about someone is actually <laughs> probably their manners so it's how they say hello so it really frustrates me when I walk into a meeting or meeting new people and they don't have the decency to say hello and shake your hand and obviously during COVID slightly different right <laughs> but I think that first impression of just their humility you know their their want to sort of be there is is key for me what is uh, the best piece of advice you've ever been given always listen to others and take criticism I like that if you had a yacht what would you call it if I had a yacht what would I call it uh, Oh, that's a good question. It would have to be something to do with manta ray. Manta queen? Manta. I love manta rays. They are my thing. So maybe manta queen or manta, something to do with manta rays. Your mission in life is? My mission in life is to, from a work sense or just general? General. Oh my God, that's a good question. Uh, mission in life, honestly, just be happy. Make sure that I'm still enjoying every day, you know, great friends, great family around me, you know, still enjoying the career. And I guess just appreciate and be happy in everything because there's been times where I've not been that. And uh, it's far better to be, to be happy and enjoy everything. Final question. What has being so driven given you? It's given me the ability to believe in myself, um, to understand that the possibilities are endless and enabled me to build a good foundation on what I need to sort of do and what I can achieve moving forwards. Cat Hill, that's a wrap for today. Thank you for your time and sharing your great knowledge with us. And as a reminder, if you are enjoying this podcast, please head over to Apple Podcasts, rate and leave an honest review. It has been fantastic to see the reviews come in from different parts of the globe. During this time, there have been numerous podcasts emerging and it's always important to stay current and relative and fresh and really stick out from the crowd. So please head on over to Apple Podcasts, rate and leave your review. We are at that time of year where we really want to consider our goals. I work with all my clients on theirs. So as a thank you, I will give away one complimentary goal setting session with me where we will focus on your goals and create a clear blueprint to start and see them all the way through. So go and rate and leave your review on Apple Podcast. When you have done that, head over to my website. That's www.serenadod.com 
forward slash podcast. That's www.serenadodd.com forward slash podcast. Click on the Ask Serena button. Let me know that you have done that. And I will invite one lucky winner each week to come and work with me on that one goal setting session. Thank you again for listening. And as always, I hope you're taking lead of your day and making it so driven. Bye.